And we're back. I'm Gervier Brum here with Jamal Karsandu, and we are Screen Off Script. This week, we're getting into John Wick 4 and reflecting on all the major movie and TV news of the week. On April 2nd, when the sun goes down on Hollywood, it is going down on Roman Reigns' generational run. On April 2nd, on April 2nd, it's not just those who've got the Rhodes and the Runnels blood pumping through their veins. It's every single person who has followed me until the end. On April 2nd, I have waited my whole life. I will wait no more. On April 2nd, Roman Reigns, I pin you. I stick you in this ring and become the first Rhodes to ever say he is the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. All right, so in our first segment, we're going to be talking spoilers for John Wick 4. If you want to skip around, we got timestamps in the description. We're also going to be talking about all the news for this week. And right now, John, why don't we get into... What's happening this weekend? Mm-hmm. And uh, we always do this every year, and we do it for a lot of major wrestling events. But w- this year or this week, we're talking about the biggest wrestling event of the year. Yeah, the, the wrestling event that essentially is like the epicenter of all of wrestling, mm-hmm. and it's, it's WrestleMania 39 this year, which feels like maybe the biggest WrestleMania in, in at the very least a very long time, but maybe ever. It definitely has a sense of importance, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it's Triple H's first WrestleMania where he's in charge of creative. Mm-hmm. It's potentially the ending of a long-term story with the bloodline and Roman Reigns. Yeah. It's Cody Rhodes, you know, after making his epic return at WrestleMania last yeah. year, coming back to quote-unquote finish the story. Yeah. And there's so many of the things that are going on with this event. There are so many stories kind of going in. And I think that's what's different about this year's WrestleMania. It feels like for a lot of years especially when it was getting closer to the end of Vince's run it was a lot of like yo so what's the story here like what are we even kind of going into and it was almost like we knew Wrestlemania was gonna be fun but there was nothing kind of getting us excited about it on the way there that happened for years and years and years and maybe there was one match that got you excited or one character you were excited to see what maybe what happens with them but this year feels like all the gears are in motion and like everyone's kind of working towards this one goal of trying to make this feel like the best I don't know it feels like top to bottom like the whole roster is working really hard to make sure this is a great Wrestlemania yeah and I can't wait to be there I'm going to be in Los Angeles like SoFi Stadium I've never been there before that's going to be a really really cool experience it's always fun to go to a number one outdoor that's an outdoor one right yeah and then on top of that it's in LA and on top of that it's a brand new stadium and it always feels like they try to show out at these things. I remember yeah. being at WrestleMania 31 for San Francisco, whatever that was. And that was just such a cool environment, mm-hmm. right? Like just being on the West Coast, the sun being there for the first match. And then it's like it basically gives like the whole show an atmosphere. Right. I love that about these shows. Yeah, 100%. And we've been to a lot of big stadium shows uh-huh. like Mercedes-Benz. Uh, arena in in new orleans and and a bunch of others but yeah this one it feels i I feel excited Mm -hmm. i feel enthusiastic and even though it feels like all right cool we kind of know we kind of have a gut feeling about what's gonna happen yeah but it feels like we're cool with it Uh, because at the end of the day it's like it's one of the big criticisms in the past has always been like storylines or angles just dragging on Mm -hmm. because the main figure of that angle is a cash cow yeah and they want to just keep pulling that lever to keep cashing out right and maybe in an old school type of thinking from the creative powers at wwe they may have been like you know what we're gonna just keep uh, this roman reigns train chucking along yeah two three four more years and we're just and it feels like again we'll see what happens but it feels like oh cool you know 
Cody can go over. He'll have his big moment. We'll see what happens in the aftermath. Yeah. But then there's so many new wrinkles that can come out of this whole experience because they do have weekly episodic television. Yeah. And the idea of what happens if the Usos lose the belts to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn? What happens if Roman Reigns loses his belt or belts to Cody Rhodes? What happens with the bloodline? Like, how do they come back from this? And just being completely disheveled and discombobulated and just complete shambles would be such a fun thing to explore after the month. You know what's interesting is like it feels almost like this is like a season finale. Yes. It's almost like we and, and that's what WrestleMania is supposed to be in the first place right but it really does feel like they're tying up all the loose ends from like everything Vince was doing and everything that's been going on for the past year or two years or whatever it's been and the most interesting part is because it's not just the fact that like stuff is predictable you know we expect Cody to win we expect Sammy and Kevin Owens to win those are feel good moments that when they deliver are going to be really epic moments Mm. but on top of that it's because there's so much intrigue of okay cool that stuff's going to happen but now what right the now what is going to be so much more interesting and I think that's what people are really really excited about I think that's where you know I'm sure there's going to be a lot more scrutiny when it comes to like Triple H's end and stuff like that right like after this first hump now he's going to have expectation yeah and the thing that I like about this Wrestlemania more than anything else and also this kind of bloodline angle with Cody, Sammy and Kevin mm-hmm. look at the number of people involved yeah How, it just feels like so many pieces have been elevated with this yeah. whole storyline everyone is a bigger character is a bigger fan favorite or a bigger villain or just a bigger personality in the world of WWE mm-hmm. where I feel like in previous years it was always just like like, like I said the main figurehead yeah. and then trying to figure out a way to kind of bring someone up like the John Cena run was just was very much like that who can we have to you know come on board and do a program with John like the Randy Orton thing got just recycled again and again and again yeah. and again it feels so different this time it's different because I, I really do believe that at the end and when we kind of look back at Vince's run and like how just like uh, he had so many different eras but he was just in an era at the end where it just felt like everyone was kind of waiting for him to pass the baton yeah right and he was just kind of ex- like you could tell he was kind of run down he was done with the John Cena era and now he's moving into this Roman Reigns era and he has to like keep recreating these megastars and like these guys that can carry their companies but I really do think by the end of it it was feeling like he just ran out of ideas right you know what I mean like or not even maybe ran out of ideas but it just felt like that was it he we've gotten all we were gonna get out of Vince McMahon in that way like I can literally see in the aftermath of Wrestlemania like I would love to see a Jey Uso singles run yeah and you know know, it feels refreshed there's so much new things that feel like we can move forward like all of those guys from the Bloodline stories, they all feel like they could be in major programs. And it's going to be interesting going after this and seeing like, well, who actually ends up being, you know, a mainstay at the top and who ends up like, you know, getting lower in the card and where does everybody kind of shake up after this? I was even thinking about this the other day, even like Solo Sokoa being brought up from NXT and joining the Bloodline kind of like later in this kind of whole story. Yeah. He's benefited so much because he's obviously a part of the primo act of WWE right now so there's lots of eyeballs on him and he's also delivered in his whole his entrance his package the way he performs in the ring it's like that's a guy in a couple of years that could maybe go on a run as well yeah you know what where do you see like okay so if we had to okay just before we even get into what we're excited about WrestleMania and Mm. like almost we're we're skipping that right we're skipping that like where are you as far as excitement level and potential and like what you're looking forward to for all the bloodline people so like if i were to say roman reigns where do you see that kind of what are you looking forward to for him after this just to continue to evolve 
and develop and take this run and this character to another level how this is it it's like all we've seen since he returned a few years ago is pure dominance Mm -hmm. right so now i want to see his back against the wall he just lost how does he as as a performer showcase a loss and trying to like get it back and win and bring his family back together i think this given his performances on on camera and on screen with like you know how fantastic his acting has been i would love to see what he can do as a performer with that angle you know what's funny is i actually feel like this this run that we've had from roman is like he's almost had to only show one side of himself right right and it's it's tough because like he's not been able to kind of show like vulnerability and all these other different kinds of things like he can show it in small like nuanced ways but now he gets to like have like free range again. Right. You know what I mean? I'm really curious to see how do they handle him kind of crumbling and mm. like the empire kind of falling apart and all that kind of stuff. I'm just curious to see how I feel like I'm going to actually end up enjoying this run moving forward than I have even more so this stuff because now it's so much more interesting from the perspective of just potential. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, right? Because I've enjoyed so much pretty much everything and like every time I think, "Oh, like they're gonna lose steam. They just keep evolving and keep changing the 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 pieces on the chessboard. It's fantastic. What about Cody? This is the big question. This really is for me. I think the big question. Like he'll have his moment at WrestleMania, but what can he do with the belt, with the championship? We haven't seen anyone with those belts in years at this point because yeah. of Roman's run. So how does that work? What does it look like? Who does he have programs with? I think this is gonna be the not. The one night only at WrestleMania will definitely be legacy defining for Cody Rhodes. Yeah. But the ultimate run is what I think is going to define his ultimate legacy in this whole my, thing. My biggest thing is at the end of the day, we haven't seen the WWE be able to book a babyface champion well in a very, very long time. Mm. So at the end of the day, this is going to be like a big test, not only for Cody, but like Triple H as well. Like yeah, for sure. Figuring out how to take this momentum that they have right now and run with it. Yeah. I, I'm just curious to see how does he you know like people have always been like it's almost like waiting right like almost as a fan base we've been waiting like when is this guy gonna get booed right right like we're so like used to like the top baby faces getting turned on at some point when is that gonna happen with yeah. Cody it's almost inevitable it feels like but is it gonna happen yeah well right? we're gonna find out and but I have to say I want to give Cody credit so since he came back from his pec injury he's been firing on all cylinders yeah. like his matches have been great physically he looks the part he looks like a million bucks his promo work has been phenomenal yeah like so this far really does him. feel like the best work of his career yeah like he like this is the best version of cody rhodes in the wwe 100 percent. not only that but it just feels like there's so much more he has to give he hasn't really even got to explore this top idea he's been like talking about give me the ball yeah now it's curious to see like how is he run with it mm. um what about sammy and kale i'm really excited because again i feel like post mania if if they win the tiles which i expect them to they could still continue the program with the Usos for a while yeah but then ultimately it's kevin and sammy yeah. <laughs> at some Turn point each other, yeah. each other right but then but then when that happens here's what i would love to see in the next 12 months sammy get the belt mm-hmm. right because i feel like they he f- almost forced a hand but they were stuck because of the time and the schedule of Elimination Chamber taking place quite literally right before WrestleMania and they kind of have a vision of what they want to try and get to the destination. Yeah. Post WrestleMania, all right, now you've got 12 months. You saw what happened in Montreal. Can you give it another go? Can you ramp it up again? Can you figure out a way? And maybe it's a different story this time. Maybe it's Sammy and Cody, two baby faces, and how they kind of work with that. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see Sammy have a moment and I'm not thinking it'll be like a long run, but 
just to get the belt and maybe kind of almost like play hot tag with it. Him and Cody going back and forth for a few pay-per-views. It's a little bit of like a lifetime achievement award. Almost, exactly. Right? Yes. And like we want Sammy to have that moment. Yeah. Absolutely. But not only that, but I, I'm almost curious to see how you can get to that point. Because let's say it is Cody that's champion. Do you want to take the belt off Cody and give it to Sammy? Or does that do to Cody? Right. Or, yeah. or I've always had this idea in my head that after Cody, the next logical guy, ideally in my heart of hearts, uh, would be Gunther to get right. the title. Yeah. Just because I love that dude. I think he's such a fantastic wrestler. Yeah, and I yeah. hope he actually gets a run as well. But like, as far as shock wins go, Sammy beating like Gunther one day would be like pretty epic. Like, pretty if you epic, had to. Yeah. And then that would, could get you back on track of like getting back to Cody or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's a shame we're not getting Gunther and Brock this year. Yeah. But I, but I do feel like this Gunther run with the IC title is going to extend way beyond WrestleMania. You think so? I would even be surprised if he goes on this epic run and we eventually get to Gunther and Brock as late as WrestleMania next year, but maybe even sooner. Maybe it's at SummerSlam or one of the other major pay-per-views in the next 12 months. You know what? I want to go through all the matches, but that's actually funny that you mentioned that. Speaking of that Gunther, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus match, Mm. it's funny that you mentioned that you think that the Intercontinental title is going to stay on him going forward. I actually feel like this story that they've been telling is that Sheamus has got to be the one that wins. Yeah, we've, you know, we've, We've been there almost close. Yeah, and it feels right? like, you know, they've been building up to so long and it really feels like this is his moment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. as much as I love Gunther, it doesn't necessarily, I don't think he has to win. Yeah. I actually think it would be good for Sheamus to win, get this moment, and then set up Gunther to move on to something bigger. Yeah, because this is the only title that Sheamus hasn't won. Yeah. Right? It's the one thing missing in his cabinet piece. He's won every single title. And why be, why have this match? And why include him in this WrestleMania run if you're not going to finally serve that moment that's been building up since, like, the summer? True. But I do think that that does add a level of unpredictability in that match. Because you can book it two different ways. Yeah. Right? You can have Gunther win right and to continue this dominant run as and he's elevated that icy title he's been the perfect mid-card worker yeah right which is what the icy title has historically always represented right you know that's funny that we we always do talk about the icy title like that but it hasn't been that in like a very very long no time. Exa- exactly it's like almost idealistically that but yes. gunther is the first one it's in the early 2000s maybe to actually do that and we think that because we grew up with that yeah right yeah, yeah. and triple h has brought that back mm-hmm. like seeing gunther defend the icy title on a smackdown main event and having promo packages over the last 12 months that's been great it's elevated that whole mid-card division if, if that makes sense yeah so obviously I'm just going to go thumbs up thumbs down the rest of the card sure. but um, first off obviously main event obviously thumbs up I'm assuming yes um, that intercontinental title match I'm assuming thumbs up thumbs up one. yep Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley thumbs up because I feel like this is going to be again a, a moment for Rhea Ripley and she's had an incredible 12 months with the Judgment Day it's elevated her character I feel like she should go over I think she is going to go over and win the title and again that's going to take her to the next level so thumbs up for, and I, I think they're going to deliver in their match as well I agree they're going to deliver in their match I really do think so and not only that but just having Rhea win I, I think it just shows that they're gonna, there's going to be a lot of moments at this Wrestlemania a lot of situations where people are just going to be happy for yeah. whatever happened Yeah. Um, what about Bianca Belair versus Oscar, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of, kind of thumbs in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, something. Uh, there's something about Bianca Belair for a while where, for me, I haven't seen an evolution of the character. Yeah, and it's just kind of been our right, title defense, title defense, title defense. But there's been nothing there really to meaty for me to kind of like latch onto in terms of a genuine story. Yeah, and so I feel like her and Oscar are going to do a great job in terms of just putting on a, a good match. But in terms of like emotional investment for me and, and like relevancy of who wins, and who comes out, it's kind of like in the middle for me, if I'm being honest. What about Austin Theory versus John Cena? You know what? Thumbs up. 
I actually like the way this has kind of come about. I love that John Cena is going to be coming back. I to, wish he was more involved, though. Yeah. That's the only thing. And maybe, we, you know, maybe we still get a, a, a moment or two more before we get to WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. But man, like just seeing him come back and, you know, he's done this before, but seeing him come back and provide a spotlight for a younger talent, regardless of how this plays out, who wins, who doesn't, it's only going to be a good thing for Austin Theory, I think, moving forward, especially because he almost looks like... Uh, a version of John Cena in 2023, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. What about uh, Brock Lesnar versus Omos? Not going to lie, I'm not too happy with this one. It's a thumbs down for me. I get it. I feel like it's going to be like a 5-10 minute match. They're two big boys. It's not going to be 15-20 minute classic or anything like that. And Omos hasn't really been used that much over the last 12 months. It's weird, right? Because right? it doesn't feel like he has the credibility for this moment. Yeah, He's, yeah. he's been sporadic and yeah. I, I feel like this is going to be like oh we've got these pieces let's just put them together I don't I don't know I, I don't really have too much of a care for that match if I'm being honest with you thumbs down Edge versus Finn Balor Hell in a Cell thumbs up and I love this why because uh, I like the fact that the Hell in the Cell PLE is now now no longer going to be a thing Yeah. so just using that as a gimmick match happy with that Edge and Balor are going to absolutely delivering the match itself but also it's another reason why long-term storytelling has kind of worked out because judgment day was introduced to us post wrestlemania last year and the original vision didn't work out but what finn balor and the rest of the guys have done with the judgment day with dom and, and rhea ripley everything it's elevated them it's allowed finn to be a heel which is wanted to be for such a long time yeah and again this is this is the end of that story edge introducing judge judgment day but then judgment day going in a different direction so i love that damage control versus uh team becky essentially thumbs down uh it's it's like it's just it there. weird that becky's in this situation right yeah i know that becky and bailey had a, a a match recently on i think it was a smackdown or a raw can't remember but i almost feel like it could have been a, a way of letting the women's tag titles be defended separately and then maybe even Becky and Bailey having their own match and they could have done, told a completely interesting story there. Mm. For me, it's again, it's just put together kind of at the last moment, at the last minute, just to kind of get everyone involved and get them on the card. Yeah. It's thumbs down for me. As of this recording, this is, hasn't been announced or anything, but it's. I think it's safe to assume at some point we're going to get Dominic Mysterio versus Rey Mysterio, father yeah. versus son. Yeah. How excited are you about that? I love this. This feels like up there for me amongst the best the best things that we're talking about this week yeah that's just as up there dominic mysterio has been an absolute revelation yeah in the last 12 months Crazy, and it's right? been because like i said of the judgment day the faction has helped elevate a talent that was kind of just there vanilla just kind of going through the motions and now we've actually got a character yeah. he's been fun he's getting reactions from the crowd he's actually better as a performer both in ring but more importantly on the mic and on camera yeah. he's more comfortable and ray going into the hall of fame it's like you can tell like they they must be enjoying yeah telling this story themselves and father son wrestlemania in itself is pretty interesting and pretty cool and i think they're gonna have a moment in the match where they're gonna be looking at each other like you know what dad son together wrestlemania having a match is something that they'll never forget for the I rest think, of their life i really do think this is gonna be like very special yeah like, me too. very very special yeah like, uh there's always like how often can you really tell father versus son stories period right. yeah. so like and also like there's so much uh, heritage that goes into Mexican wrestling and I just think it's gonna be really like really fantastic think about LeBron yeah he's trying to extend his career as far as he can so Bronny Jr he can just spend a season playing with him yeah like father and son yeah, right yeah, yeah. in the pro wrestling world it doesn't get bigger than this father and son at Wrestlemania that's that's the one that's the one yeah and especially because it's not like a 
like you know Ray being like a tribute act he's still like at the top of his game yeah he can still produce like a fantastic match and given the right story I think they're going to end up delivering something really fantastic and because Dom's been done such a good job of being the heel it actually has worked out great because he's been like in his father's face in Ray's face just putting him down just literally heating him up with all these promos yeah. so that when Ray finally snaps we're going to be right there with him oh, what about last thing uh, Seth freaking Rollins versus Logan Paul I forgot about that again perfect because if Seth can't be in a, in a in a match for the title we've seen now time and time again Logan Paul in the WWE works he does the job and I feel like with him now kind of really playing up to the villain role those two together and given how over Seth has become in this new run yeah right with the crowd and the music and everything I feel like that's got potential to steal the show like not the whole match but they're going to produce a quote-unquote moment yeah. that will go viral because that's what Logan Paul does. I think they're really going to try to steal that night one. You know what I mean? Especially people are going to have their eyes on, I assume, the tag team match. Yeah. But I really think they're going to go out of their way to like be as viral as possible and be the match that everybody talks about at the end of that night. Yeah. But man, what an exciting WrestleMania. Like, right? It, it's going to be so much fun to see where it kind of falls out. And we, I wanted to just like speculate for a while because this is like a really exciting time for WWE. But this is also, like I mentioned, season finale it's all about to happen and then we're starting fresh next week so let's revisit this and like almost see where we are because you're going to be there as well so i'm curious to see what your reaction is versus uh how i kind of watch it on tv yeah tv versus you know in stadium is two different experiences and honestly imagine we're wrong imagine they swerve us imagine roman wins and imagine the oosters and the blood that still keep all their titles like with the way triple h has been booking things we kind of think we're going in one direction and and we're like 90 percent sure it's that that's a lock yeah you just never know sometimes. You if he, if yeah. he's trying to be like, hey, you know what? Just when, I, just when you think you've got all the answers, I'm going to change the questions. He could flip the script at the last minute. You just never know. You know, just one flip the script scenario. I could totally imagine them letting the Usos retain on that first night to set up the doubt for night two. That's a great call. And I think that would be a lot of fun, especially if you're not going to let the main event that might even be the move so that the weekend feels almost like a little weird and you're like, is Cody going to do this? And then when the moment happens, huge explosion. And by the way, if Roman doesn't have the belts, who's really the head of the table? Exactly, yeah, right? Because if it, at the end of the day, if we walk into Raw and Roman's walking there without titles and these guys are still holding titles, like, what, what are we doing here? Where, right. Where's the power dynamic shifting now? Exactly. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, but, uh, okay, last thing before we even move on, a hype rating out of 10. Where are you right now for this WrestleMania? A solid 9. Yeah. A solid, solid 9. Yeah, I'm like an 8.5. Yeah. I, I'm, or I'm like an 8. I'm like an 8. I think it's like fair. Like, it's, it's so up there. Yeah. And like, I don't even know what more they could do, if I'm being honest. Like, it's so good. You know, the only difference between a 9 and a 10 for me yeah. is if you really pulled up the old nostalgia strings yeah. and you had like a Stone Cold act or a, a rock or a, some, a match with like a uh, an old school guy from the Attitude Era that can still go and produce like something fun and special and nostalgic. That's probably the only thing missing, I think. I, John Cena is literally doing that, but he's not someone that I kind of grew up with when I was a teenager. Yeah. So my, my only nitpicky take on this is just, I almost wish it was all one night and yeah. one solid show. Because imagine if you talked about all those thumbs ups that we just talked about and that was just the whole show right it was like seven to eight matches like that sounds like the best show ever yeah yeah right and but i was like all right cool i guess we'll watch almost versus lesnar and this (laughs) tag team showcase as well right 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 but uh yeah like i I really am very very excited for this year and it feels nice to be excited for wrestlemania again Mm, that's mm. like uh something i missed out on for a long time yeah especially like you said la the sun setting in the background stadium show and all that all that jazz it's gonna be fantastic um but yeah let's get into some of the news stories from movies and tv this week a few things 
I'm not sure if you're a big Mean Girls guy. I know you're not, Joma. I'm not. But uh, have you heard about... I almost want to catch you up on this idea because I love Mean Girls. Okay? okay. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. But it started off as like this book and they turned it into a movie and then they turned that movie into a musical and now they're going to turn that musical into a movie. <laughs> Are you serious? Isn't that fantastic? Hang on a second. So is th- the new movie isn't going to be a remake of the old movie. It's actually going to be a musical movie? Yeah. Movie? <laughs> it's going to be a musical based on the musical that was based on the oh movie God. which is based on the book All right. <laughs> that that's some next level of inception right there yeah man that's great and they actually just cast uh, John Hamm as Coach Carr and then like if anybody is a fan of Mean Girls that's already like a huge casting for especially mm. something like this and Tina Fey's gonna be back and uh, I'm just excited to see how they actually produce this because I, I, it's such a fun property I actually really look forward to it I mean this. like clearly the like the property means so much to a lot of people yeah. the fact that book movie musical shows that there's an audience for it and, and, and there it's weird because it never feels like people stop quoting it or right. stop bringing it up when it's like october or whatever next we got christopher nolan first off oppenheimer is going to be his longest film yet it's going to run roughly around like three hours i bring this up obviously it feels like a lot of movies these days are a lot of big franchises are more comfortable with having a three-hour length uh-huh how do you feel about that i'm cool with it i've always been cool with the length of a movie James Cameron made a big deal out of it, right? Yeah. I feel was, like a lot of people are making a big deal out of it. Even like the John Wick, we're about to review that. And again, three-hour movie. Yeah. It feels like audiences are either more open to this. Yeah. Or like, I, you just hear a lot about it. People are bringing this up as a point of conversation. Yeah. I, I like, again, like for me, it's not an issue. And I don't know why it should be an issue. Like, tell your story. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's a drag, then the audience is not going to like it. Yeah. Right? If you, if you, if it has good pace and it doesn't feel like a three-hour movie job done yeah yeah exactly also um that movie is going to be starring robert pattinson and robert downey jr also starring robert pattinson and robert downey jr is going to be adam mckay's next film average height average build the film is going to follow a serial killer who gets into politics to change the laws to be more murder friendly (laughs) i think number one how excited are you for that script very interested yeah especially with those two being cast in the movie um, Adam McKay is a very, a very interesting one, right? Because I feel like since like the split with Will Ferrell, like he's now on his own path, mm-hmm. and it's a completely different trajectory. And there's there's two things he's done since that split. One, some, something that I've enjoyed, right, and something that I haven't enjoyed, mm-hmm. right. What was the one you did enjoy? I know you didn't like Don't Look Up. Yeah, Don't Look Up. I didn't enjoy. What I did enjoy was the Lakers uh, Showtime oh, okay, series okay. on, yeah, on yeah. HBO. Yeah. Fantastic. I recommended it and I can't wait for season two. I swear two. Will Ferrell's like a producer on that as well. Yeah. So we haven't even got to that split yet. Yeah, you're right. Like, I feel like that was the, the final project and I feel like Will Ferrell was credited as a producer just because he was involved, I guess, in the early stages. Sure. But then before it actually started production, it was all basically Adam McKay, yeah. you know, you know manning the ship basically not only that but what's interesting is it's starting to feel like uh back in the day you always hear about these hollywood pairings of like you know robert redford and this person and that whatever it is right like and you'd hear about these people kind of making multiple movies together yeah and it feels like one we've been seeing a lot more lately is like jonathan majors and michael b jordan almost being like this pair after creed and like no saying that they want to be like almost like what was it de niro, de niro and pacino yeah and yeah like just seeing how that kind of run uh can exist and it feels like you know maybe we're getting another thing over here the robbers robert pattinson robert Downey jr maybe Downey jr feels like he's about to have like a run but another way. another another run another run yeah like Maybe they had such a good time working at Oppenheimer together yeah. that they got pitched this project and they were like, yep, let's do it together. We're having yeah. such a good time. Why not? Yeah, not only that, but uh, speaking of Robert Downey Jr., he's supposed to be 
at least rumored to be the lead role of a new remake of Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. So another thing, this dude's uh, <laughs> like he's working, man. Yeah. He, he seems to be like almost like coming back, coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, next, Lucasfilm is rumored to be announcing three new Star Wars movies at Star Wars Celebration in April. Apparently, Stephen Knight, who's also writing the script for Vertigo, apparently will be writing whatever this movie is. Interesting. Yeah. So, and he did Peaky Blinders, and uh, it's just gonna be interesting to see how Star Wars kind of shakes out because it feels like obviously they're working towards something. We've been hearing about this project has been dropped and this is what they're working on. Obviously, they actually have an idea of where they want to take this uh, whole property going forward. Yeah, I think it's about time. Yeah. Right? We've had so much Star Wars content on Disney Plus where it's like, all right, what about a major release at the cinema? And it's time because they've, they've kind of like, I think, done such a good job, especially financially with mm-hmm. the MCU. And they're, they've, kind of still figuring out how much to do on Disney Plus and what to do. Star Wars has been really good on Disney Plus. Mandalorian's fantastic and or fantastic, but we haven't had a movie now in a while. I'm ready for it. I feel like uh, Marvel has been like almost carrying the weight of Disney's like box office success for like yeah. years and years and we've been we haven't had really had like a big Star Wars project in a while, but I I think a better ecosystem in general for fans of, like of a lot of stuff is just if Marvel gets to release less movies, but they're just quality. Right. Star Wars also gets to do the same thing, but they almost like pass the baton. Yeah. Instead yeah. of having to like just stay and like watch like four Marvel movies a year, which yeah. sometimes feels exhausting. And then to like cut that back and uh, to cut that back and maybe not have to watch four of those and instead of get two Marvel movies and two Star Wars movies, I feel sure. like I'm more happy with that. Yeah, and I feel like there's such a big cross-section of fans that appreciate both properties, yeah. and especially generationally. Yeah. Why not? 100%. Um, uh, next, last week we were talking about Rachel Zegler, her roles in like uh, Shazam, Shazam and all that yeah. kind of stuff, and her talking about basically how she took that, that role for the money, right? Uh, nothing wrong with that, but... She, uh, this week, we I also saw that uh, she was announced for a movie with Mason Gooding from uh, Scream and uh, Alicia Silverstone, and they're all going to star in Kyle Mooney's Y2K for A24. So, okay, it feels like uh, it's another situation where A24 are basically like these star makers, and yeah. <laughs> they're taking all these young actors together, and apparently the film follows two high school nobodies who will crash a 1999 New Year's Eve party but disaster strikes. I love that. It's, yeah. a, it's a, a, a late 90s movie. Yeah. I love that. The fact that Alicia Silverstone is also involved. I know how you, you, know, you said that you're a big fan of Mean Girls. Me growing up in the 90s, I was a massive fan of Clueless. Yeah. Like that's a classic right yeah, there. Yeah, I feel you. I Probably the exact same relationship you have with Clueless, I probably have the exact same relationship with Mean Girls. Paul Rudd still looks the same as he did back in the 90s. He, <laughs> yeah. The guy has not aged. He's never going to age. But man. yeah, that's cool. Like again, like we were talking about this last week. It's like Zegler, Rachel Zegler now kind of like trying to get away from like this, these typecast roles. Like we know she's going to be in the Hunger Games franchise. Yeah. We know that she's going to be in Snow White. Very much kind of like typecast in that one as and well. And I think there's just a lot of like, I'm sure a lot of people are going to watch those movies, but I feel like a lot more people that really care about movies and really love movies. Like I feel like they're so excited by A24 and those projects. Yes. That being a part of those movies probably means a lot to these people right now. Especially because she was introduced in West Side Story. And yeah. that, that's not like a, a franchise or like a sci-fi or a you know comic book movie. That's like a... A, a serious musical that's got so much prestige yeah. in the world of Hollywood and it was a Spielberg movie yeah, yeah, yeah. so for her to now be like alright cool I'm gonna do like Shazam and Snow White and a Hunger Games movie but now I'm gonna work with A24 too yeah 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 A- A24 I feel like right now like and they've already 
got like a good history in terms of producing really interesting films for cinephiles and movie buffs. Yeah. But with everything everywhere all at once this year. They're crossing over, yeah. Big time. Big time. Into the mainstream. And more power to them. Like, I hope all their movies continue to be successful because they can do more interesting projects like this. Yeah, exactly. I just hope they're able to like, you know, I, I I don't care if like, like at the end of the day, box office returns, whatever, that stuff's cool. But at the end of the day, it's like you always say, like, it's just so that they can keep making them. Exactly. And as long as they can keep making them, that's all I'm happy with. And yeah. as long as they're like worried about quality control, you can almost see like in, in like different studios, you can get really successful, but then you start spreading yourself out real thin. Right. I only worry about the quality of A24 movies. And the, fuck, the, the messed up thing about A24 in general is just their fan base demands so much as far as quality, they can't slip. Yeah. If you start slipping, that's a problem. Yeah. They are the darling of cinema goes at the moment. Yeah. Um, Last two stories. Uh, South Park's Trey Parker will direct a new comedy film with Kendrick Lamar set to produce. The movie follows a young black man who is interning as a slave reenactor at a living history museum who finds out his white girlfriend's ancestors owned his. That is... Cr- I actually saw something about this. I yeah. was like, wow. Yeah. This, is Kendrick Lamar's involved? Let's go. Yeah, isn't that weird? Like, it's such a weird pairing but it sounds like oh my god yes yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Want, I want to watch that yeah yeah you know a comedy with some social commentary let's go yeah 100 percent uh last story as far as we we've been talking about marvel a lot but uh, a big piece of low-key marvel news that happened this week was uh victoria alonzo was fired from her position at marvel studios currently for unknown reasons i'm not sure if you heard about this person but apparently she was in charge of a lot of the vfx and a lot of the vfx teams and there's a lot of rumors going around that she was almost like this toxic presence at Marvel and forcing these people to like work under really stressful conditions and create like a toxic workplace and all this kind of stuff. One senior VFX advisor did say that like these toxic work environment things aren't real. And also like three up and coming MCU actors apparently did say that she was supportive on their sets. But on the other side, I feel like there's two sides Mm. to every single story. And it feels like maybe one being responsive to the other means just people have different experiences. But she apparently was like this toxic person at these workplace and all this bad news you've been hearing about Marvel lately. She feels like a, almost like a scapegoat as a part of all of this. There's no smoke without fire. Yeah. Right. And again, like you said, there's always two sides to the story and I'm sure financially she's fine given the kind of position that she's had for such a long, long time. And yeah, if, if this, if there's elements of truth to this, nobody should be forced to work any longer than they have to and be dealing with mental you know, stress and mental health issues from a workplace environment. I I'll hate tell that you right now, one thing I will say is he, me reading this story and being like, oh, this person was like the the main figure in this toxic work environment. Like whenever you hear that, that means there is a lot more going on and there's a lot, there's not just, there's never one person right. that is that creating this like weird work environment. It's just like a whole legion of them yeah. that are like, perpetuating these standards and making mm. it worse and i think uh that's one thing that people may not be looking at is i don't know if this is something to get excited about or not get excited about but regardless it just shows that there's big changes happening in marvel behind the scenes yeah in front of the scenes just a lot yeah and uh it feels like almost like as much as we are in this new era this new phase it, we're in a weird transitionary part as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah that's everything for the news story this week so let's get into the movie we're doing this week john wick 4 mr wick I'm going to die. Yeah, not really. So, Chumma, first thing I want to do, I will just say, I watched 
every single John Wick movie this week. <laughs> All right, I caught up to the entire thing. I wasn't planning on doing that. I was like, you know what? If we're going to watch four, sure, we'll watch four. Right. And then I kind of just threw on one while I was at the gym. And it was fantastic. Yeah, man. It was so good. Why didn't anybody tell me? I feel like nobody sold me on John Wick. <laughs> the well franchise? Enough. No, they didn't. They did not. All right. Everybody made it seem like it was just some like action with zero story, super boring, or like not even super boring, but just like, all right, cool. You're going to get your like adrenaline fix and that's it. That's not it. You know, the thing about the John Wick franchise is when the first movie came out, it kind of got good word of mouth, but it still had this kind of um, perception that it's kind of like a Keanu Reeves experimenting B movie yeah. working with a new director he's got a history of working with new first time directors new directors sometimes to great effect with like a movie like The Matrix yeah. and then sometimes not so great with mm. a bunch of other movies on his catalogue right it's very hit if you look at his catalogue it's very very up and down and hit and miss right yeah but then this just happened to work really really well it spawned a franchise it's actually incredible that original character original story based on nothing else has now spawned a fourth movie it's yeah, wild man. it's crazy not only that but like genuinely like now a ride i'm so happy i went on right you know what i mean like i walked away being like why didn't i like this earlier yeah, yeah. i remember i actually during the pandemic i tried to throw it on one time and then i think i fell asleep or something and just being like eh, i'm good right i've seen enough yeah but i just didn't get it yeah i yeah. just didn't catch it like <laughs> I, I can admit that so much like obviously the foundation of this story is like basically a guy who loses his wife and then she gives him the gift of a dog somebody kills his dog and now he's brought back into like this underworld where he used to be this assassin yeah and uh that sounds like a ridiculous movie but it's such a fun it's such a fun story that we got to like watch slowly unravel right because you don't get that at the start yeah all the way especially coming to where we are now for four what a ride i went on you know the good thing that the John Wick franchise has done is they don't take themselves too seriously. Yeah. Like they know their audience. Yeah. Right. And they are delivering exactly what their audience and the fans of this franchise want to see. Like for example, John Wick in these movies is basically in God mode. Yeah. He's yeah. never going to die. He's never going to get killed. He, yeah. He's going to just wipe out like, you know, a plethora of other guys, mm-hmm. other villains and other assassins. Yeah. Right. What they do really well is just get, try and get you emotionally invested for the next action sequence, for the next fight, for the next gunfight. And they're good pieces as you kind of build up as a crescendo to the final battle. It's funny that you mentioned that because when I kind of look at this movie, it almost doesn't even let me do that because it doesn't let me breathe. Mm. By the time we finish one action sequence, he leaves and he goes right into the next action sequence. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with that because there are moments where they just come, kind of stop all the action and they just have like dialogue and you kind of develop the story in those ways. But as far as action goes and transitioning from one place to another, there is just nonstop action happening start to finish. Right? I think what helps also is the over-the-top characters. Yeah. Both visually and but also in their performance that you, you're you locked in. It's very pro-wrestling-esque yes. in that kind of way where it's like, all right, cool. You're, you've sort of laid out the land. You know who the good guys are and the bad guys. And you're kind of building up these figures that you think could maybe wipe out Keanu Reeves and John Wick but maybe not one thing that these movies and and I almost am not talking about John Wick 4 by itself but I'm talking about like the totality of John Wick right and for me like one thing I love about this is they don't ever try to like all right cool well like you know this is very dramatic let's try to be realistic like no they don't even bother with that this is a world they created yeah in this world assassins exist everywhere and the world building that they've done in this franchise 
the way they've built the law. Yeah, the, the rules. The rules. The rules of the universe. Like, if you live in this world, the rules really matter. Yeah. Right? Like, everybody follows these rules. Yeah. And, uh, and when you don't, you you aren't ex- allowed, essentially, to exist. Uh, number one, exist to be alive. But yeah. number two, to exist within the confines of this society they've created. Yeah. And what I love is, like, when all these kind of, like, action sequences are playing out, there's never a cop car in sight. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. they're having this crazy-ass shootout in the heart of Paris Bro. or in the heart of whatever major city, and, and there's not a cop car or a cop to be seen. I'll tell you this much. Watching all of these movies, the biggest revelation I had was that nobody told me that these movies were so weeby. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. so Japanese-focused. Like, if I had known that, I probably would have watched them sooner. Right, right. That also makes it, like, extra fun and all that kind of stuff. But, and, and I'm sure this isn't, like, a new revelation or anything like that, but when I watch these movies, I feel like I'm essentially watching a live-action version of Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. Like, to a T, a, a bounty hunter, similar aesthetic, similar, like, uh, visual aesthetic, but also, like, the writing feels very similar as well. Right, right. And, like, the way they approach action... The way they approach their just like his the way his outfits go and everything like there's just so much about the show that very much feels like a live action Cowboy Bebop. It has those like high stakes and high drama like an anime as well. That's what the, another thing is like the way everything's written. It almost feels like an anime to me sometimes. Right, right, right. Right, like they don't muddle around like all right, well, what is the real world? Like none of the real world matters exactly. in this, and I love that about it. And it makes it feel like so much more of a kick-ass thing that I can just be like, "All right, cool. I'm gonna sit back and just enjoy this." Yeah, I'm like, not tripping. Like in John Wick Four, there's literally a building in the heart of New York City that is just, <laughs> it just explodes, explodes. <laughs> gets like demolished. Like, yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> and and the cool thing is, is like there are like so many different things. I feel like from just like growing up that this was a uh, this almost like reference because not only Cowboy Bebop but also like it feels almost like a video game sometimes yes right and it feels like almost like an RPG like you're going from like one two three four and there's always like a new person in your party yeah you know what I mean like Halle Berry's in the third one so now she's your party member and right. William Dafoe in the first one and Lawrence Fishburne in the second one and now for this one it was Donnie Yen and you always have to have this new character that's part of this story and makes it more fun but they're also like the person that fights with you yeah it's really really dope i love how they approach so many different things in this the last thing i'll say about the overall experience yeah is i feel like during the week when i binge this sh- entire series i went through like i'm sure all the revelations everyone went through i knew like Halle berry was in this i didn't even know morpheus was in this stuff <laughs> so when morpheus shows up in like number two i'm like it's morpheus yeah yeah like that was a united fun little, fun little moment and and i like how they do that it's such a consistent franchise in general yeah and um it's it's odd I've never seen any show, movie, anything like that kill and hurt dogs to such a degree that they consistently do and weave as a thread throughout yeah. their franchise. Yeah, shout out to all the dog owners out there. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I love that Like in this one, we uh, we, we really get into four and there's, it's almost like a payoff of like the dog situation from the start all the way to here where yeah. you know no matter what, the, I feel like the dog thing obviously represents a lot for his situation with his wife, but more so, it always just reminds us that like John Wick's just a—he's trying to be a good guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's—he's he's might be like this kick-ass assassin, but like at the end of the day, he just feels like he's trying to do better. Yeah, and, and I love that about it, man. The John Wick story and the franchise—it's one of the best success stories in recent years in, in, in Hollywood in terms of what they were trying to do and the financial success that they got the fact that Keanu Reeves has been able to do this this late into his career yeah. is spawn a brand new original franchise is absolutely remarkable to me and also the fact that 
in John Wick 4, we get the conclusion of the John Wick story per se, but the John Wick universe is alive and well, which we'll kind of we'll get to in a bit. Yeah. But in terms of this particular movie, yeah, you said it earlier on, okay, it's clocking close to three hours. I didn't feel it at all. I thought the pacing was fantastic. There weren't too many lulls. And I feel like every action sequence got better and better and better. Yeah. That final act, like the last like 45 minutes or so, is just relentless, but in a good way. They never... Or it's actually incredible how you never really walk away being like, oh, well, I've seen stuff like like they just have like these action sequences with guns and stabbing and all this kind of stuff. And at no point do I feel like I'm bored. I'm still excited in the fourth movie as much as I was in the first movie. It's continuous innovation. Yeah. It's like they have to keep upping themselves. How can we do better? How, what can we do that's so unique with guns and blades and swords or just hand-to-hand combat and how can we do this in this kind of building or outdoors or in a car that we haven't seen on screen in other movies before yeah and that is just an incredible kudos to the squad to continue to show us new ways of delivering action in 2023 delivering action and you can tell as the franchise kind of grew you can tell the aesthetic just got better and better and better but this movie just looks fantastic literally the same director throughout all four movies so like the fact that we've had someone just continuously evolve as a filmmaker and push himself is incredible as well you come here thinking there is a way out of this world for you mr wick there is not the song Sacre coeur. Weapons. If you win, the table will honor its word. You will have your freedom. But you won't take it. One thing I did want to ask, Keanu Reeves is one of like the most iconic actors maybe ever, right? And he's been part of some of the most iconic films ever. So like you've mentioned The Matrix before, but where do you kind of rank John Wick as far as uh, like among that like pantheon of, of Keanu Reeves films like oh. is this high like, is the role of John Wick his most iconic role his set like where is that kind of rank it's up there man it, it's uh, it's up there like I feel like Neo in the Matrix regardless of how the sequels played out and especially the fourth movie which ended on a whimper mm-hmm. that first movie in 1999 was like literally like one of the top 10 movies of the 90s it's that good and it was so successful both financially critically it changed the game when it came to like cinema and evolved how special effects came on screen but when you think of like earlier Keanu and you think of Bill and Ted right and you think of all speed in the 90s another iconic movie Mm -hmm. John Wick is up there for me and I feel like John Wick is probably the most rewatchable franchise yeah. of everything, anything he's done. Like you could do a John Wick marathon and be good with it. I think as a series within itself, I really do think start to finish is one of the most complete and consistent series period I've ever seen. And also, and this might be a big reason why we've got a conclusion. Yeah. Like they're not like, Oh, we're going to just keep rinsing out this uh, cash cow for like John Wick eight and John Wick nine. It's like, no, four movies we had a beginning we know why he started on this rampage we get to an end we get to a conclusion of his particular story and i feel like long term this franchise these four movies is going to actually age really well Uh, where do you kind of see that because in that kind of same thought process when you look at something like all right cool the matrix the first one is one of the most iconic movies of all time yeah but 
the next kind of fizzle. Yeah. Right. And it's almost like that first one is holding so much of the weight of its legacy. Mm-hmm. When you look at something like John Wick, it feels like every single one was fantastic. Yeah. So consistent. And also like as far as pop culture goes, like I'd say very up there. Yeah. Right. And uh, maybe not as iconic as the first Matrix, but at the end of the day, much more consistent, much more complete as a, as an offering. Where would you kind of rank the idea of that uh, where the Matrix as a franchise kind of lies? Do you value that first movie so much that it completely outweighs something like John Wick? Or do you think being more consistent as far as like an actual franchise is more important than just one singular movie kind of being that all-encompassing, amazing, pop culturally relevant? That's a tough question to answer. I guess it's very subjective and each to their own. Like that first Matrix movie is up there with like my like passion for like the Terminator movies because mm. it's done so damn well. Yeah. And it almost broke my heart that the, the overall franchise literally got worse and worse with every entry. Yeah. Like two gets worse, three gets even worse and the fourth <laughs> is absolutely the drizzling shits. Yeah. With John Wick 4, you're right. The consistency is there. I feel like with the John Wick franchise that the first one for me is always going to be the gold standard. And that's with almost every franchise. The, the When you think about most franchises, the original nine times out of ten is still the best. It's the one that people care for the most or feel like has a special place when they kind of think about the overall franchise. But you're so right, the consistency is there. And I have to say, I feel like John Wick 4, for me, might be the second best entry of the entire franchise. Yeah, I agree. And you know what's weird, though, is as much as I do rank one, two, three, and four separately, they much more feel like just one... Very cohesive. Yeah, such a cohesive experience that, and it's not like it's huge spikes. It's not like two is like significantly worse than one or four or something like that. Like they're all in the same kind of range for me. And maybe it helped that you know, they made John Wick. They're like, oh, cool. Let's make another one. Yeah. John Wick 2, success. Let's make another one. Yeah. And it wasn't like the Matrix happened and then like, all right, cool. We're going to do two and three back to back. Oh, and then 20 years later... We're going to make a fourth Matrix movie. Yeah, you know exactly, what I mean? It's exactly. so weird that that happened like 22 decades later. And not only that, but now it shows like obviously they're they're kind of moving forward with this franchise and they have a spinoff in the way with uh, Ballerina, which is supposed to star Anna de Armas. And apparently John Wick is back in that, reportedly. And then I think there's a spinoff series that's happening with Rina Sawayama, who was playing Akira in this film. Right. So, uh, and that was also the post-credit teaser at the end of this movie. So... Where are you as far as being excited about those kinds of movies? Um, maybe not as much as you know Keanu Reeves' John Wick, right? Yeah. But uh, what, I'll tell you what I am excited about, seeing how they can now leverage the John Wick universe. Now, we've spoken about the MCU, the Fast and the Furious universe, right? And th- these are all different strokes for different folks. But if they can level up the action and keep doing better and tell different unique stories... I think I'm down for it, especially because they've done a good job of really kind of introducing strong personalities and strong characters. Yeah. They don't have to do too much in terms of explaining a plot or a yeah. story. Just get us to the action, mm. get us to that next big set piece. And hey, listen, if it's a good movie, it's a good movie. Also, I want to say, I feel like it's a, it's a brilliant thing to see a franchise like this. In some ways, it's not a like-for-like comparison to like 80s action movies, yeah. but just like seeing just an action movie and an action movie franchise mm. just do well. Yeah, yeah, I thought those days were long gone, if I'm Listen, being honest. And not only that, but just an original story. We talk about it all the time, but like, so everything's a franchise. Now this has become a franchise, but for it to start off as a completely original story and then grow from that yeah. is still exciting. It's mm-hmm. not based on some other adaptation or something like that. Yeah. 
as far as our categories go who i mean uh, best character is usually our main one i assume it's john wick for everybody uh no actually okay uh, uh, you would assume (laughs) but i have to say i was really really impressed by bill skarsgård as marquis he for me was such an a prick yeah. and such a good villain he is fantastic. and all those scenes really built up to see wanting us as the audience seeing him actually die and finally get killed right at the end of the movie and I just thought he did a fantastic job I, I'm gonna go with John Wick okay what the funny my follow up story or the, the funny thing is my follow up question was gonna be who's the best villain in John Wick because I agree it's I think it is this marquee character yeah 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 he has been like of them he really was the fit like the best one yeah like uh, all of them have fantastic villains and for so many different reasons the first one almost feels like he is this opposite he's acting opposite of john wick mm. but it's all in service of john wick yeah yeah and that happens along the way a lot but this one really felt like they got a villain right yes to the point where i was like very excited like marquee is a dope character by himself and right from the beginning of the movie it's like he's in so many scenes where he's kind of building it's, it's this building really nice right mm. and so by the time we get to the end of the movie it's like alright cool we want to see this guy get killed right yeah, now yeah yeah 100% um, as far as best scene goes where do you end up with that one for this for specifically for John Wick 4 yeah yeah sure so um, there was a scene it's the final act of the movie so in the last 45 minutes or so and it's basically John Wick entering a building and he takes out a bunch of guys but it's an overhead aerial shot Oh, like the like that a, felt like a video game, like a bird's eye view. Yeah, and it's and like I don't know if it was just one continuous shot or whether they did some really like you know clever editing in terms of how they pieced it all together. Mm-hmm. But it, it it looks like and it's presented as one shot, yeah. one take, and it's brilliant. It's yeah. so damn, and it's you could tell it's Keanu doing everything as well. Yeah, and I was like, yo, that's I love seeing new visuals in a in an action movie and this presented something new and it blew me away when i was experiencing it yeah i completely agree so many of the visuals were absolutely fantastic and i can say that consistently for the entire franchise like they take their aesthetic so seriously and i yeah. love that yeah for me in this movie specifically it's kind of what i mentioned before it's the thread that's kind of uh weaved through this entire story and it's that moment uh instead of shooting you know the uh the tracker who wants to kill him he shoots this other guy who's about to shoot the tracker's dog and it's all just regardless of what happens this is still you know at the heart of the movie it's still someone trying to be a better person and john wick like kind of just shows that he's not trying to like just save himself mm. he's really just trying to better the situation that he knows is unfair and and not in the best interest and then holding all like not only himself but so many other people at the mercy of this giant organization called the table yeah what about star rating wise zero being the worst five being the best where's this one end up gave it a four stars uh i feel like like i said i think it's the the best john wick movie since the original and just an epic way for the john wick story to end while still opening enough doors for like i said that john wick universe yeah i went with a 4.25 the only thing i will say is we never really got the payoff i wanted because he dies in the end you see his tombstone and he's at peace but we never really got to see how he'd live a life outside of all of this right right? and i thought the payoff was going to be seeing him be free yes but also seeing him be happy and living a life outside of all of this like if he dies did he really get the freedom that he was after Mm. right like he gets the uh, i guess the relief of death (laughs) which is like a wild sentence but at the same time it's like you know you would like i personally wanted to see how he would be able to exist and be able to live a life outside, like getting away from this thing that has been like caging him in yeah. his, his entire life, essentially. 
that's very you know it's definitely one way of looking at it but the way they present it right from the beginning of the franchise is he's his life in his mind is already over because he's yeah. lost his wife and, and his dog so for him these are just extra days he's on a revenge rampage mode uh-huh. and and ultimately he dies and he's buried right next to his wife the crazy thing is like that story really takes place like only a few weeks i assume before i think it's a few weeks like the first movie and the fourth movie like only are a few weeks apart mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right it's a it's a short amount of time that this is all happening yeah so uh yeah it's very interesting because i i almost feel bad that this character never really gets to just all right cool i get to live a life outside of this underworld that i was a part of but also outside of like the like, and being able to get over the trauma of losing his wife true and again there's so many different ways that they could have gone i think it's a bold decision to actually kill him off yeah. in this movie it's but a also, choice yeah it's sure. definitely a choice but we don't get that so many times in other franchises it's just like again are oh, they're gonna keep just you know rinsing this out and making more money it's like no we've told our story four movies we're good i still think there's room for him to come back if i'm being honest prequel like, i bet there's gonna yeah. be or like i think at the end of the day there's there's so many stories that could be told about prequels there's so many stories that could just be you know oh by the way you know in the middle of this and this there's a bit of time and, side mission you know exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah, like there's yeah, just there's yeah. so much things like that could happen with yeah that. yeah yeah um but yeah that's everything for john wick for go out of your way to watch it i really think this is a worthwhile franchise to start and finish it's fantastic but uh let's get into uh, the last section of the show let's get wrecked john can you hit me with sandu's pick i certainly can uh we touched on it earlier on but this week i'm recommending the matrix from 1999 simply put it's one of the, the greatest science fiction action movies of all time, which changed the game in terms of groundbreaking special effects. And while the sequels didn't live up to expectations, the original for me is is still so damn rewatchable. I've watched it again and again and again, and I almost in my mind disregard anything that happened afterwards. It's funny that you were choosing The Matrix because I was originally going to choose Ghost in Shell. Right. All right. And that's like, you know, uh, a lot of influence from The Matrix. Big comes time, from there. big time. And I can tell like John Wick, definitely took parts from that as well i was also gonna pick cowboy bebop i've already recommended cowboy bebop right and uh at the end of the day like those feel like really important parts of influence for a movie like john wick Mm -hmm. so what i'm actually gonna go with is actually the mandalorian oh okay and who doesn't want to see you know again a bounty hunter go out into space and have adventures and tie up loose ends from his past and this show is really what star wars fans have wanted from a star wars series like aesthetically it is as big budget as a tv show can feel and it just feels like it does a tremendous job of letting like us as fans like live in this world of star wars and like Mm. like let us kind of exist in this world with them and oftentimes it feels like an open world rpg we're just getting to explore and visit different worlds of the mandalorian and you know it's just seeing this tale kind of unravel i just like not only the character, but just seeing like what Star like this show it really shows what Star Wars is really capable of. Yeah, it, it, like Marvel has its own franchises, and you can tell different stories about different superheroes. But what Ma- the Mandalorian really does is it just created a new world. Yeah, and any story you want can really any story that like you know obeys the rules of Star Wars can exist anywhere in this universe. What I love about the Mandalorian is the lore. And the world building they've done just on Mandalorian. Yeah. It's been fantastic. And, and that's the thing though, it just shows the potential of Star Wars. Yeah. Right. And and if this is where we're going, and you know, we've talked about how we're excited about these movies going forward, but I feel like they finally have the right people, and this movie is like the the 
biggest example of the best version of Star Wars going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's everything for this week. John, where can anybody find us? We are at Screen Off Script on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And hey, listen, do us a favor. If you enjoyed today's show, rate and review us. It honestly goes a long way on helping our show get found by new audiences. Awesome. Thank you for checking out this week, guys. Take care. <laughs>